0: Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show where we discuss the best basketball team in the Milky Way, your Washington Wizards. Hello everyone, this is Adam McGinnis. It is December 18th, a Friday night here in the nation's capital. A little chilly one after some uh, really nice weather over the last few weeks. It's, It's winter. Winter is not coming. It is here. It is cold. The Wizards a very very a bad basketball team, and that is why on a Friday night I'm going to talk about the Wizards uh, online. Before before we start, I just want to let everyone know: thank you for your support. The download numbers are going up. I guess you're putting up with my rants about this team. Hopefully, you like the guests. Email me, Adam McGinnis. A-D-A-M-M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S at Gmail. Tweet me, my same name, at Twitter. Just give me some feedback of of, uh, what you think about the show so far. But tonight, a first guest here on the podcast. I'm really excited. This guy is a contributor of Truth About It. Uh, He's very mysterious. He goes by a lot of names. Uh, His his Mad Bastard, I believe, on Twitter. Uh, He also goes by Hawk. But his real name is Chris Thompson. Uh, he is a writer. He writes all over the place by sports. He's been on Deadspin. I think he's writing for Gawker. I'm going to ask him all about that. But he is a fan of this team. He contributes to the Truth About It website. And I've actually not just mysterious. I've met him in person. So he does exist for those not, for those wondering out there, uh, Mr. Chris Thompson. What up, what up, bra? How are you? What's up, man? What's up? Actually, mention, even Chris Thompson is quote unquote my. <laughs> Your real name?
1: <laughs> it's not, but yeah, okay, it's close enough to my real name. Yeah, Wait, is it Chris
0: Christopher or no? Uh, uh, we'll
1: just we'll leave it at Chris Thompson. Okay, we'll leave it at Chris Thompson.
0: <laughs> well, that's what it, that's what it says here on the Skype machine. Uh, it, right, is it is it one of these aliases that you have out there on the on the interwebs?
1: It's stupid. Like it just um it's a, it's there's no there's no very good reason for it there's just a kind of a stupid um like you know old Oh, leftover reasons for it that I can't get rid of now, so I'm stuck with aliases for the time being. So Chris Thompson is a close one, but it's <laughs> it's still an alias. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so dude, all the guys,
0: man, you're more mysterious than I thought. Wow, this this is this this ups the, the lore. I mean, the staff members of the Truth About It, ones that haven't met you, you know, they always wonder if you exist. I've I've had uh, Dan Steinberg ask about you. I've had multiple media people ask. They're like, who is this dude? Like, he's writing about the Wizards on Deadspin, like, what he writes <laughs> on your site. Like, who is this cat? But he does exist. Like I said, I've met him in person, and he knows a lot about this team. So before we get into that, just, dude, did you write about Farmer douche bro on Gawker the other day? Was that you? Oh,
1: no, no, yeah. I had, actually, uh, yeah, that little, I had a, a thing going on with Gawker uh, where I was doing, like, night writing over there, and that that has actually ended. That ended uh, towards the beginning of this month. So, uh, yeah, you will not see my byline there often at all anymore. <laughs>
0: okay, bu- I'm sorry, I brought up a bad topic. Damn, I'm 0 for two so far. How about how about, uh, how, how about uh, vice sports? You still write for them? Contribute? Uh,
1: well, I mean, yeah, here and there. Yeah, it has it, been too. It's just kind of here and there. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I'm too like all over the place in terms of like. Want to write about and like, you know, the, like I I require like all this motivation and stuff. So like, you know, I just kind of like write when I, something occurs to me and send it to Clerval
0: dude dude dude! i know that uh kyle mr mr truth about it he he hammers me about writing more all the time i'm like yo dude i'm i'm running all these social media accounts i'm running a podcast like like give me me a break bro like give me give us a break so you know of course i did pick up some previews here and there and i got i'm gonna cover some games and and so and so but yes It's funny because you have all these things to say, but then the way you want to do it takes so much damn time, man. You know, real and that real life gets the way. The real life gets the way a little bit, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. How uh, how's your before we go into this team once again? uh, How's your holidays going? What your your shopping's all done? You got some what
1: what? uh, Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, every holiday season starts with this whole big plan. I'm gonna, you know, buy all these gifts and have parties, whatever. And then by this time, you know, the 18th, it's like I got gifts for my wife. I think I'm good. <laughs> like everyone else is gonna have to get a card or something. You know, I, I, every year, every year. So.
0: Well, I'm I'm a, I'm a December. Uh, I'm that. I'm that stereotypical dude at the mall on the 24th, right? <laughs> like, like, that's me. Like, every year, it's not like I don't like shopping. it's just, So my family's in the Midwest, so then I don't want to bring all the presents back, right? So I always try to go back early, but now with the, the holiday on the weekend, I'm actually flying uh, back on Christmas Eve at a weird time just because it was cheaper. And, and then I'm going to be there for 10 days, and we have Christmases going on. Non stop. So right. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta actually, like, this weekend, actually go buy <laughs> presents. And not just go, like, jam it off, like, two stores, that have my mom and sister wrap the presents. Like, I'm like, damn it. I gotta actually do do some work. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're good on the, uh, the, the wife one. Uh, what, what, what did you yeah. get her? I uh, know she's not gonna listen to this. Well,
1: uh, she had, thankfully, she's very, um, organized. So she had, like, an Amazon wish list. <laughs> oh, it's quite, it's quite That's expensive. Great. So, I kind of, I, I broke into it, and I just sort of, like, picked some things that I thought you know, she would like, so, there's, like, you know, a couple of little things, and then, like, you know, one or two sort of medium to big things, so, I, I think there's I a good chance that there's something in there that she'll be very glad to get, uh, and it'll, of course, be thoughtful because it's stuff that she definitely wants. Yes, hence
0: <laughs> so, yeah. you've broken it, so it's kind of like the wedding registry, <laughs> but, like, for yourself, <laughs> <you're> like broke, <laughs> you've, like, you like, tapped it. <laughs> that that is great pro tip for all 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 you uh listening but let's get into this mother effing team it like i said it is december 18th uh friday night the the your washington wizards just got done with a a painful road trip they they sit they sit at 10 and 14 uh the thing about the road trip and they they play uh, they play the Charlotte. Uh, how I always want to say Bobcast? They play the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow night at, at the arena. I was gonna maybe go as a fan, but I, I got some things going on. Actually, a holiday party. I, I'd rather go to that. Uh, they they have. Let's just go the schedule real quick. So they've been on a road trip. Uh, upcoming, they play Charlotte Saturday night. Sacramento is here. Little Boogie Cousins on Monday night, and then Memphis on the twenty third. All three at home maybe 2 and one Anyway, 1-2, one probably 0-3. I don't know. That's irrelevant. But what is more relevant is this four-game road trip. And I thought about this four-game road trip, and, I, and I'm going to have Kyle on. Maybe on Sunday he has confirmed, and we're going to maybe go into the details because he was actually at the New Orleans game. But I felt like it was really indicative of the season. Like, like just these four games. Like, you have a game where they play close in New Orleans, right? They could have gone either way. They they played well, but they're probably better than New Orleans, but it is on the road. It's the NBA. You know, they had an off night in New Orleans, which is never a good thing. <laughs> if you want to know, Buckhast starts talking. Buckhast is like talking about his dinner in New Orleans, like about third quarter. I need like an over-under on it. I was like, well, where are the players at? Are you at the casino too? You know, are they at the casino too, Buck? You didn't talk about the casino that you're at. But, <laughs> you know, they play a game. They have some, uh, you know, basically some 50-50 balls that don't go their way at the end. Uh, You know, Gary, I don't know. John Wall had a a chance to tie the game on a drive. He doesn't go. Anthony Davis is at the rim. He he kicks it out to Gary Neal, who misses a shot. They lose by two. So now they're going to Dallas. And this is what I wrote about on on the website. I actually covered the Dallas game and did a preview. And they go to Dallas. And there's no reason they should win this Dallas game. I mean, mean, Dallas has been at home for three nights. Dallas is playing better. The Wizards are on the road. They're traveling from New Orleans to Texas, getting in... You know, three in the morning, back at the gym. I mean, think about your work trips, man. I hate going on work trips and traveling, waking up, right? And here the Wizards go out, and they, and the, it, the it was basically tied at half. They go into third quarter, probably have the best quarter of their whole season, arguably for sure. I think right. it was I was their highest point total. This whole offense and everything was clicking. Wall was pushing the ball. Gortat was hitting cutters hitting outlets, Dudley was balling out, Otto Porter's hitting shots, Neal was all over, Wall was just relentless, pressuring their defense. And then, of course, in True Wizards fashion, they almost collapse and, right. and cough it up. So so they, once again, you're like, okay, that's a game. You're up 21 points at some point in the third quarter. They collapse in the fourth. They get lucky, kind of, honestly, just kind of outlast. If that game goes 30 more seconds, they're done. All right, so they win the game. So now they have an off day. They travel to Memphis. Now, Memphis is trying to play small. Now, now, now Beal's injury plays an in effect because Beal is now out for these games. But still, whatever. They go to Memphis, and they just get demolished. I mean, it was just bad. It was just a bad game. And then they go to San Antonio, have a day off, go to San Antonio. San Antonio's playing just as good as ball as anyone that isn't named Golden State. They look amazing. The Wizards hang, but you kind of knew the whole time that they that whenever the Spurs decided to go to another level, that this was over. And that's exactly yes. what happened in the third quarter. So so the reason I say the, this road trip is kind of indicative of the season is that you have these highs where you have that third quarter in Dallas, right? And then you have, like, a game maybe should go either way, like Toronto game at home where they don't pull it out, or maybe the Knicks game at home where they don't pull it out. And then you have two just games where they they don't really even compete. I mean, Memphis, they didn't really compete. I mean, San Antonio, they kind of competed, but they weren't in it. So, I thought it was a bizarre road trip, the way that it shook out. Now it looks at one and three. But, aside from those four games, I kind of want you to touch on the road trip a little bit, but just your overall assessment of wh- what you've seen on this team at, at t- basically, the quarter, the quarter mark has passed, or the 24 game mark, out of, out of Washington so far this season. Uh, I mean, I, I, to be honest,
1: uh, there's no, I don't see anything from them that indicates that they're going to be a playoff team this year. Uh, I mean, you know, they have these, like like you said, they have these sort of uh, bright moments, these these peaks. Uh, they're very brief. And, uh, man, they're just, they're on top of it being, you know, for a few years now they've been sort of a head case um, organization. You know, they always seem to be sort of, Battling their own demons, in addition to, you know, the opponent. Um, but man, this year they're just—they're just such a disorganized mess at both ends. And um, you get the sense watching them that they don't have a lot of belief in one another. Their role players have no confidence at all. Um, and man, I don't know what it is. John Wall's body language looks bad. Like they just—they just give off this aura of uh, dysfunction right now. And I wonder if it isn't related to. Uh, trying to make a bunch of style changes in the off season, but at any rate, uh, at the quarter mark of the season, um, it you know it just increasingly looking kind of like a lost a lost season. This and it's such a disappointment. I'm just so like crushingly disappointed by that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I I do a podcast. i started a podcast, a, a bi-weekly podcast, and the Wizards have all these expectations, and they're going straight down the gutter. And I have to keep this up, and I'm trying to keep my sanity, but I'm just losing it. And, and and what it, what it, what have you seen? I mean, overall, to me, it's been it's just been not fun. And, and I feel no, like no I feel no. like it's been no fun. I don't think the players are having fun. And then the highs I'm talking about, like even the Dallas win is a high. And I said the third quarter was awesome. But the Spurs win at home, the 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 Cavs win, right? The Heat win. Yeah. Like it's almost like they're sugar highs and for, for or yeah. co- or cocaine highs for 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 you know the X-ray yeah. version. or like these just like. So then you see like, oh, is there something to build off of? And there just isn't. They haven't won back to back games, right? Yeah. For in and, and here you it's like
1: the first week of yeah, the season. Correct,
0: right? In a long time. And and so you're like, okay, there's momentum. And as fans, we're very emotional. <laughs> the right. emotional one there is. And so especially Wizards Twitter land, where you go from, Oh my gosh, we just beat LeBron and played awesome. John Wall's back and we're hitting shots. The style's working. We won a tough tough road game in Dallas we, we beat Miami who was one of the top teams in the East and then all of a sudden they lose at home to a, a, a very mediocre Houston team if, let's be honest and, and then you're like well, where's the momentum like they should just handle that team got into the road trip with the victory and they just don't and so it's just, it's just bizarre it's, I think I put on the website that they're they're consistently un- inconsistent, <laughs> which, is, which is a weird thing yeah. to say. Yeah. But so I just can't get a read. It, and as someone that thinks about this team, watches the games, obviously spends way too much time. None of you should do this that are listening on this on this team. And people are like, "What's up?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Is my real answer. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'm, we're going to go into the actual you know things, but my overall assessment is like, I really don't know what team is going to show up night to night. I mean, aside from the injuries. But just what kind of basketball they're going to play regardless yeah. of who's on the court i mean what do you see
1: uh you know I, uh before um before almost every game i'll shoot a text over to um albert bernico he writes for deadspin and he's also a wizards fan and i'll shoot a text over to be like "Are oh, they gonna lose like 5 30 tonight and it's funny like you know you so i feel like it, as a person who watches the team every game like you you can kind of sense like okay they're going to come out flat tonight because like there's there's just they just give away momentum like you can almost depend upon them following a good performance with a bad one at this point like you said like consistently consistent so it's kind of this it's all it's yeah like you in a weird way you you don't know what team you're going to get but you have a sense that it's not going to be good if it was good in the previous game. um the, and, the Houston game is a yeah. great
0: example of that, actually, right? They got off to a really poor start after they had an awesome win in Miami. Yeah, <laughs> they were like down seventeen to two right off the bat, or seventeen to
1: four. Yeah, the first five minutes of the game, you, like you're 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 just watching them go through the motions and thinking, like, this is it. Like they just they just don't have it tonight. And for whatever reason, um, it did feel like last season. And I don't know if this was, this was a Paul, the Paul Pierce factor or what, but it did kind of feel like last season. You know, if they came out in the game flat, you would you could kind of uh, expect them at some point to kind of pick it up, and and not just one guy, not just John Wall suddenly turning into. You know the Tasmanian devil, but the whole team at some point would seem to have sort of energy pick up, and they would compete for a little bit, even if it didn't wind up uh, going into them. But this season, there's just none of that. Like if they come out flat in a game, you, you know you're hoping to get seven minutes worth of them playing like they mean it somewhere in the game, and usually it's you know like after the you know after the the, the, the deep end of the bench is already in the game. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, it, I I don't know what it is. I I don't know if they're adjusting to. Um, losing Paul Pierce or, um, or, you know, just the transition to, uh, you know, depending upon Bradley Beal and John Wall to be leaders at the same time that they're doing this offensive and defensive overhaul and it's just too much going on at once or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, they just can't summon the energy um, night to night. It's the most maddening, frustrating thing in the world to watch. And,
0: and why it's not fun. And not, not only is it, is it the sugar highs that don't, don't last cuz that's why it's a sugar high correct <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. it is the losses man the losses are so bad okay so right now they currently have been they've lost 6 times by 15 points or more and, and 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 i th- i believe what was it san antonio yes they lost by 19 to san antonio it is the most in the league it was they they were tied with the most 15 point losses to the lakers which by the way, they lost two at home. And, 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 and I, you can go back... I don't know if I recommend my podcast with John Townsend and Connor where I was just irate, cussing up a storm like a sailor. <laughs> Hopefully my family never listens to that at all. But I, but I was just so pissed that it was just like, are you kidding me? Like this team just lost the Sixers and they came out and lost. In the, 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 It was the fans, that invades, the Kobe Stan fans. That's what set me over the edge to the vulgarity. But, but, it, but once again, it ties into what you're saying is that there's no reason that – that they she to lose the Lakers at home, they were ten point favorites, and there's no reason they should just be getting blown out in these games to, to yeah. teams that are, don't have as much talent. Boston, does, I mean, I know Boston's playing well this year, but they shouldn't just be like the game shows up in middle of the second quarter, it's over, right? Like twice, right? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like it's one thing, like okay, you lost on the road to a team that's playing well. It's the NBA, I get it, but like you're getting like blown out, or it's not even competitive. It, it, yeah
1: you'd expect them to to like make a game with Boston, even though I do think Boston has a good mix of players and a good coach and they really know what they're doing they believe in the, what they're doing at both ends. you would still expect the Wizards to make a game even on even on, in a way game even in Boston you'd expect them to make that a game and for them to come out in, in the game to just be over I admit to the second um, and then and they and, and at no point in the game did the Wizards even make any kind of run where you could convince yourself that they might be able to make it competitive Like they, they, they just didn't even belong on the court with the Celtics and how does that happen? It, it's
0: it's incomprehensible. One, one, it's the most disheartening uh, thing. They lost, by, they lost by thirty-three points <sighs> And that game. It should have been fifty-three. Like it wasn't even that close. It made me go into a pie coma. I, I, I <laughs> ate so much pie. I was my family down down in Florida. I actually podcasted about this as well, so I will go into more details. But we didn't even mention the two other painful losses, which were the Charlotte game where they just didn't make a shot for a whole quarter, yeah, right? Oh and then yeah. Toronto game was is complete meltdown on defensively. So 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 the the thing that I ask people all the time, and and I think we just said I said I don't know consistently inconsistent. What is the identity of this team at ten and fourteen? I mean, just underachievers. Is it? I mean, uh, they they don't play offense well. They put don't play defense well. We're going to get into that. They're average offense, terrible defense, injuries. I mean, is it just?
1: I don't I, think that... The there is no identity, problem. right? I, yeah, I, I and mean, I feel like the injury problem is a thing. I don't think... and This is not me. I, I, I reject the whole, like, oh, we don't make excuses, blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever. Sometimes there are excuses. Yes. But, um, John
0: Wall gets hurt, there's excuses, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But, but, um, but I don't think that the, the injuries they... Okay, I, I don't think the injuries they suffered are, like, um, the sort of bad luck that teams go through. Uh, where you look, at, you look at a team that has high expectations and then you see that they've had some bad luck and you're like, oh man, this is a snake bit team. I don't see that as being the case with the Wizards this year. And the reason I don't see that as being the, the, the case with the Wizards this year is because they built a team around injured players. They didn't work in through their roster construction what they knew about the guys that they had on their roster. Like, like Bradley Beals not played a full season in the NBA. And Nene hasn't played a full season in like a decade. And... Uh, they brought in two free agents, and Alan Anderson and uh, Jared Dudley, who were already not healthy. Like, like it's you can't look up and be like, oh man, we've had such bad injury. Like, no, you, like this these were this was all this was all stuff you knew going into this season. So if you didn't think it was important to build depth into your front court or get a wing to start the season who could play because he didn't have, like, an ankle injury, um, then that, you kind of made your bet on this one. That's how I feel about the Wizards right now. It's like, I, like, as much as I know the, the, the Beale injury in particular stinks, like, they, the fact that they didn't have a better plan than Garrett Temple, who they, like, he's a known quantity. The fact that they didn't have a better plan than that is their own is their own doing. Like, they knew Bradley Beal was going to miss time. He has missed time every year of his career. It's, it was inevitable well, um, and so yeah I, it, I feel i feel like it's a little bit disingenuous for anybody within the organization to say oh man shucks were getting hit with injuries this year like did you not think that was gonna happen
0: I mean, you signed a <laughs> you guy that was he signed a guy on back surgery who has actually played really well lately honestly yeah, yeah. Great. And, and, yeah he's played for sure And, and, and but, but drew gooden right yeah. like uh Martel Webster correct yeah. like like you yeah, have two right. situations they should have they should have Stretch position, Martel Webster. I don't want. I've also rambled on this podcast many times about him. I don't want. I don't want to go bore the people with that. But you have Drew Gooden. You have an older roster. But I think the most one that I think that you bring up is like no real backup to Nene, right? Like you're going small, yeah. and then you're. Then we know come in. We're like, okay, let Seraphim go. Yeah, Nene, I get it. And then you kind of just don't replace him, and then you kind of bring back Chris Humphreys. Now you put Chris Humphreys in the smart, starting role. And that's where I want to. That's where I want to segue because the beginning of the season, I felt that a lot of what I was doing, and it was probably unfairly, was when they were struggling out of the gate. I was like, "Wow, this." It wasn't so much that the modern offense wasn't working. I was just focusing on like Chris Humphreys is a disaster right now for, four, right? And, and and it was, and I felt unfair because this guy's been in the league eleven years, and now you're asking him to do some do something, and I, and he he showed an ability to hit some threes. I mean. I, like impressively like he would worked on it I thought that he showed the threat but where he was on the court he was lost like he he you know his instincts are to crash the boards and now he is doing these spacing with these blocks that the women put in and you wrote a really, really good piece, uh, November 13th. And I'm going to link it to the show notes. And people, I, I recommend to read it again because it's still applicable <laughs> like a month later. And you wrote this when they were three and four and just got blown out by the Hawks and the Celtics. By the way, they got blown out twice by the Celtics. And, and you wrote, and you and you went into just kind of talking about the system and how they're modernizing it. And you kind of, it was an indictment, not of the actual that they're changing to the system is how they were trying to actually change with the players in hand. I just want, I just want you to discuss. I'm not going to read it all, but I just kind of want to discuss your your mindset of what you, what you wrote because I think those arguments are still valid, and 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 how you came about that. So my, my feeling about, uh,
1: I, I I'm totally down with small ball and the whole transition to you know the whole pace and space thing. I just think. That um, NBA fans and NBA bloggers and uh, the Wizards, certainly, um, you know, they, they, they made the mistake of thinking that uh, this is as simple as having a guy at the four position who is willing to shoot threes and can knock some of them down. And I just think that that's um, like a really big simplification of the way that it goes. Uh, it's it's kind of a misunderstanding. I hear my my loud dogs in the background. Uh, it's probably it's probably a uh, a misinterpretation of what is happening in a place like Golden State, um, for example. But at any rate, um, Chris Humphreys you know, he might, he might maybe have one characteristic that suits him to play in a sort of pace and space offense, and it's that he can occasionally knock down some threes. Um, but he can't do anything else in that role that's required of a person in order to, in order, in order to open up the offense they, the way that they want it opened up. Um, and, you know, whatever. You, you'd expect them to take some time to, to turn that into something. But I think in order to kind of juice that process, they uh, they did a whole lot of, like, you know, kind of reworking the way they defend, where they do so much switching now, and uh, they front in the post, and they play the passing lanes and all this stuff, and, like, I think the idea of it is to speed up the opposition, create some turnovers, uh, get out and play in transition, which is great, um, but, man, they're just... I, I I can't remember ever watching a team that does so much of the opponent's work for them, um, and I think um, you know just not to dump on Chris Humphries, poor guy. Like like you said, like he's an 11 year pro and he's being asked to play this whole new position. It's not he's not comfortable doing. it He's clearly not comfortable doing it. Um, but you know, as you know. In terms of doing your opponent's work, like sticking a guy out there in what should be your best lineup, who can't attack off the dribble, he can't make a quick pass, uh, he's not comfortable floating around the perimeter to open spots, and he can't defend the modern stretch four. Um, you're just you're making the opposition job easy, and I just feel like, yeah, like you're ta- you're, you're you're confused. Yeah, you know, Randy Whitman is kind of confused. <laughs> You know, here, here I am, big blogger, telling NBA coach and veteran, yeah. uh, you know, that he's confused about the NBA. It's nah, nah. the title think, winner, right? It's the title <laughs> winner, uh, <laughs> champion of Indiana, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel, I do think that he, that he's sort of a little bit, com, sort of confused himself about, um, you know, like what, it, what, what the Wizards ought to be, you know, sort of where their heads ought to be in a basketball game. They're trying to reinvent the wheel, like you know, like. They need to, the Wizards need to put their best lineup on the floor, the guys who can play the best basketball, and then win one possession at a time, instead of re- trying to, you know, sort of reinvent the game of basketball inside their organization, and, uh, you know, they probably don't think Chris Humphries was a swing for the fences, probably a lot of people don't think it was a swing for the fences, because they sh- they certainly could have done something in free agency to get um, somebody more impressive in that role, but... It does wind up being a big dumb haymaker that they've taken and they missed, and now they're left with a roster they can't possibly uh, make up for. what they've you know, how far they've fallen behind the rest of the NBA. I hate to be like totally defeatist about it. But oh no,
0: we're we're gonna get more defeatists. We're we're going we're going straight to the bottom. I haven't really started. No, because I think that well, I'm not going to defend the front office because I'm going to rip them apart. But just look at their mindset, like what they're thinking. I think that it was really... Chris Dudley was going to be the man, right? And I think that... Or not Chris... Oh, geez, I keep saying Chris Dudley. Uh Jared Dudley is going to be the man. Yeah, and, then, and then I think they were going to play Otto a lot at four. Right? In the crunch time, I think that was the thinking. And I feel like Humphries was kind of a stopgap. But then all of a sudden, like you said, everything just went to shit. And when, and when it was like... it was, And so he was kind of exposed on an island a lot of times where he's taking these drives. I'm like, oh my gosh... Never drive again, Chris Humphries. That was the ones that was more glaring. But I think the one that you're talking about is, like, moving the ball quick. I mean, I coach little kids basketball. And one of the big things is, like, all right, like, pass it. Like, reverse the ball. Like, they just want to either dribble. And not that Chris Humphries was doing that, per se. I can't believe I'm comparing sixth-grade boys basketball to to, to Chris (laughs) Humphries. But it's in a sense where where I'm trying to learn the the perimeter basketball skills. of like, you got it. Like, kick it right away. Make the defense work. But when you hold it, right – and you don't know what to do and you're caught off guard, especially in a 24-second shot clock in an offense. And then now you're, you're thinking. Like, they're thinking. It, it seems like he was thinking a lot. And, and when you play basketball, everyone knows. Like, you can't think that much. I mean, once you start thinking, you, you're against because your opponent is not thinking. But, but to me, okay, let's just bring in the numbers, right? So so on offense, last year they were, 20, they were 21st in offense efficiency, uh, 1.006 points per possession. This year, they are 22nd at 0.995. <laughs> so they have not uh, improved basically at all. They've stayed the same. They've actually gotten worse. Uh, but 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 going to this minorization, and this is where I, w- I want to ask you your thoughts, is that so on on uh, points uh, from threes, like how many percent, like how many of the points have come from threes? Last year, they had 19.5%. They were 26th in the league. And now they're twenty twenty five percent fifteenth. So basically, they're league average now from threes in this in this league of going to threes, right? And yeah. at three point percentage, which was the criticism last year, right? Is they were sixth in the league at thirty six point six percent. This year they're thirty five at fifteenth, at which we would expect a little dip because they're shooting be more, correct? Right. And that makes sense. Uh, the same with three pointers made a game. Uh, they were twenty six last year. They're 14th. Uh, so, 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 basically, the offense is the same. They're shooting more threes and making more. And w- so, what the hell is happening, dude? <laughs> why is this offense bad? <laughs> like, like, not bad, but, like, why, why is there no uptick? It's like, we've modernized. Okay, Go on, right? Because the reason I ask you is if they didn't modernize, right, and they just trotted out Nene and Humphreys and Gortat as the bigs and just ran that... Mid-range game and that hawk offense that drives me drives me up a wall. We'd be bitching up a storm, right? You know what I mean? so, so we'd be bitching of the storm and be like, okay, what are you doing? Like, this was the offense that got you really nothing. It uh, got you mediocre last year. You had a good playoff run when you went small. You're not going small. So now you go small play more small, and the offense is the same, but you're making and shooting more threes. It, it, it is, it is confounding. I don't know what What are your thoughts of all this well
1: so um, I think well I think a big part of it is that the NBA as a whole style of basketball is jumping forward so it, you know it, to the extent that they've ticked upward in their production from the three-point arc. You know, the whole rest of the league has ticked up their production from that three-point arc. So yeah, you know, like, you know, a modest improvement in that way is not necessarily gonna move the needle much relative to the rest of the league. But um, uh, I don't I, I think I don't think they really um, understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish. You saw this a lot when Chris Humphreys was still getting lots of minutes. That their concept of how to use him was to involve him in a high screen with John, and then oh, this sort of one pass to him, and that if he was open, he would shoot; if he was not open, then they would kind of like reset the offense. Um, and I think that that com- kind of comes down to this idea that by you know th- they were gonna turbo boost their offense and turn John Wall into this like 15 assists a night guy just by putting another guy out there on the floor shoots and threes and it just it just doesn't work that that way. if you watch you know uh, Atlanta or Boston or San Antonio or Golden State like it's not it's not ever with that, that first pass that leads to, uh, like, you know, unzipping the defense. It's like the fourth pass, or it's a guy beating a closeout and getting to the rim because the defense is scrambling. And the Wizards, putting Chris Humphries on the floor will not accomplish that. Uh, He's not going to cause the defense to panic and then contort themselves such that you can take advantage of their vulnerabilities. That's just not going to happen. The same could be said of Otto Porter, who I like very much, who I think is a fine player and a useful player for them. just having him on the floor is not going to cause the defense to panic and get out of shape, and that's the whole idea of the pace and space offense. Is it's going to make the defense have to make some tough decisions and get themselves out of shape and give you openings. Um, the 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 whole, you know, there was a big deal right about the the taped spaces around yes, the perimeter yeah. practice training camp for the Wizards, yes. like you know. And I heard that in the preseason. I you know my, my first thought about it was like okay cool like they're taking this seriously like they're gonna you know they're they're thinking of running to spaces where the defense is gonna have to defend Arthur gets a few point shots great um but it turns out that having Otto Porter run to you know the wing and stand there in you know sort of like secondary break it doesn't do anything for the defense defense okay cool so he's not going to the basket so let's ignore him for a few minutes and like you know, no, you noticed that last year, and even in his rookie year, you know, he was it was a kind of a regular occurrence that he was catching a ball on, on the break and going and going for a dunk or catching an alley from John or whatever. And like, well, his strength is cu- his tr- strength is cutting, right?
0: Don't you think his his biggest strength on offense has been his cutting for sure?
1: Yeah, and there has been almost none of that this season, and and I think it's because they, they instead of. Letting him play the style of basketball that's natural for him, they're kind of forcing these square pegs into the round holes of this run to the arc, space to floor thing. Uh, I'm am f- for that style of offense. I think it, it I think it works generally in a sort of big picture game theory sort of way. It works, um, but if you don't have the pieces to make it work the way that Atlanta or the Celtics can you know can do it with by actually playing four or five out. And you have to be more creative than that. And 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 I think you know, taping up spots on the floor is a kind of perfect, perfect little symbol of how the Wizards have blown this thing. It's just they have this this really simple, kind of like a grade school understanding of how this is supposed to work. And they don't. They think that just running to some spots on the floor is going to crack open the defense. And that's just not how it works. It, it's not how it works. The NBA is too sophisticated for that. And I you know I don't know. I'm going to wind up ranting. Oh. at the moon about Randy Whitman, but, like, you know, I don't know. It's, Randy Whitman has always kind of struck me as a guy who has, like, a, a a too simple view of the way the NBA works. And this is just it. Like, the, this taping spots on the floor is, is that is a perfect example of that. It's just, it's a too simple way of understanding the way the whole pace and space thing is supposed to work. <laughs> and they're getting killed by it. I mean, their offense is more fun, I guess, than it was last year, but um but not better. And they and the you know that I'm not sure a faster pace suits them the other end. So
0: well, yeah. well I think I think John Townsend says it is like pace for pace sake, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, 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 it's just like you know, and I don't want to get into political conversations, but but, but it's <laughs> but it's more of a like you know, it's like the means just to find the ends, like, are we just doing this because we're doing it? And that's what we do, right? And I was like, no, what is it producing, right? Like, you're doing yeah, stuff. Like, like, I'm all about, like, from policy and political and public policy. It's like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm liberal and, and I'm left and stuff. But I just, like, I can do conservative things if that works. You know what, yeah, mean? Like, like, what like, I mean? You know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm not so, like, nope. I'm just so, like, this is my ideological belief. We're going to do this. And, and so I think that sometimes there is... It, it, my observation, which is funny in a way, is that you, so you have the stubborn curmudgeon in Randy Whitman, right? And he's doing all this stuff, he's getting hammered, and all of a sudden it goes small, it works, so and now he's like, I'm going this way, and now there's not any adapting the other way, right? Like, 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 it's really bizarre to say, it's really weird to say that, because because then people just look at it black and white, They'd be like, alright, so should we just go back to the two bigs? I'm like, no, it's not that. It's maybe you should go to the two bigs like for a quarter, right? Or maybe you yes. should go to the... To the the small win, you know, injuries obviously have complicated this, and we'll yeah. get into the injuries here a little bit. So I don't, it's kind of unfair to, because a lot of, a lot of these 24 games, I'd say maybe seven, he's really been hampered by injuries, for sure. Yeah, for right, sure. like, for the lineups he has to play, I mean, Ryan Holland started for the Suns game, oh. I was at. And I was like, you know what, you know what the joke I made is like, so I think he's just in for the tip. You know, I'm like, just for the jump ball. <laughs> Or I was on Twitter, I was like, where were you when Ryan Hollins made his first start? And it was just like, he, would, he just wouldn't go to the, the you know, he's not going to have Dudley jump the ball, right? He's not going to start having five. I think Hollins played like 15 minutes or something, right? He actually didn't play too bad. But it's just that he's just not going to do that, even though that was his best lineup, right? And he ended up, he ended up going that, right? He ended up adapting and, and benching Hollins. But he just couldn't go to be like, okay, i got to start the big guy, right? Like, i got to start the center. And maybe it goes back into tying how there wasn't a backup. When you know an A would go, so I guess my question is, is: is that so? We're basically saying that that we want to modernize the offense. That was a good decision by the team and the franchise for sure. That they didn't maybe didn't get the pieces to do it, and that they oversimplified it, like they overthought themselves in a way. Correct. I
1: think so yeah, and I think I think um, if you're you know if you've got a couple of good lineups. Uh, and Golden State's a good example. It's, not, it's silly to even compare the Warriors to the Wizards. They, like, they, play the like, they play the same sport. They play the same
0: sport because uh, when I watch the Warriors, <laughs> it's not the same sport. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> it's, it, they, it, it is a,
1: it, it is a, a kind of a, a useful point of comparison. The, the Warriors, you know, not that they just have two lineups, but they do have two high-profile, very good lineups. Their starting lineup is very good. It's dependable. It'll get them a lead, but it's not their. It's actually not their best lineup. Their best lineup, everybody knows, is that small ball lineup with Draymond green at the five yeah um, but it's what, what do they call that?
0: what do they call that lineup didn't ethan Strauss call it, like lineup from hell or, or what do you say <laughs> probably yeah yeah <laughs> something <laughs> like that but yeah, keep but keep
1: going. the lineup for, Temple, yeah, <laughs> for, for all their opponents but yeah like like it's telling that they don't they don't that's not their starting lineup but they can afford to not use it as their starting lineup because they have a good starting lineup but if you're not the warriors if you're the Wizards, um and you don't have two good lineups you know, you only have enough pieces for one good lineup. <laughs> then, yet that needs to be your high use lineup. Um, you know, but last year in the playoffs, you know, they did have two good lineups. Even though their starting group was kind of plodding and boring, uh, they defended. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the Nene and Gort- uh, Gortat combo crushed their spacing, but they defended and they would—they were in the plus. You know, like that—that that was a plus lineup. They would—they they would go out and nightly, you know, kind of win there. Uh, win their time on the court, and then in the playoffs, they discovered, hey, you know what? We can also throw out this small lineup in stretches and really blitz the other team, really kind of take them out of what they want to do and confuse things. Play fast, play to John's strengths, whatever. I think the mistake I think the mistake they may have made was just thinking, hey, let's do that all the time. And I'm not, you know, now here I am. I'm saying like, let's let's bring that back, back to two bigs. But you know, at this point, I don't know. They maybe they ought to take a look at at using the small ball as just the kind of, like, turbo boost lineup that they go to in spots, you know, at the end of the third quarter or whatever, to, like, kind of just terrify the other team, take them out of what they want to do. Um, but have, you know, like, identify two lineups that you use that will, you know, win or at least play close with the other team. And and it's clear to me, anyway, that the whole, like, uh, the lineup that has Chris Humphries at the four with, you know, the rest of the starters is just not, it's never going to be a winning lineup. And then they've, you know, they've tried so many bench combinations because of injuries, it's hard to know if they can put together two uh, lineups. I mean, they're just in a lot of trouble. I mean, uh, you know, I, I said earlier, I don't, I don't really want to like, um, I, I don't feel totally fair pinning this on injuries just because I feel like that's kind of a self inflicted weakness. But they are in trouble to the extent that they can't, it's hard for them to identify. You know, two or three good lineups that they can go to on a nightly basis. Um, yeah, so
0: well, we'll get into we'll get into injuries. And you made a really good so good. good, good job, Chris or Hawk yeah. or, or whatever the hell your name is. Uh, 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 you know, Chewbacca. I, I, I uh, into the defense, okay? Because, and I'm gonna have Kyle on once again. Kyle, I know you're not listening. What's up, dog? Uh, is that... At the, at the beginning of the season, of course, I predicted 50 wins. That seems – don't, don't listen to me on anything. Uh, and, and we were really rosy and excited. And, and I went to the first game, you know, I guess the half a Sixers, and it, the offense was flowing. You expected the defense. So I said to Kyle, the main thing I said to him was like, okay, so we're doing this offense and we're expecting this offense. What did I said was 21st in offensive efficiency last year. Yeah. So let's say it goes to 10 to 15. Okay, how far can the defense fall? We're gonna expect if we're gonna play this this high pace, and they're gonna do this. Like, how far can it fall? And he said to be a good team, but it can't fall in the top ten. All right, let's get some stats. Currently, currently, uh, the Washington Wizards defense is 27th in defense officially in the NBA. They are giving up 1.042 points. Uh, Per possession, and they're only scoring 0.995 for a difference if you mathematicians is a lot. Per possessions, <laughs> almost a half a point, which is not good. So that means that, like, every possession, the Wizards lose a half a point. <laughs> like, when you watch an NBA game, I mean, I know, like, the stats guys... They don't want to hear like some people are against stats, but no, I'm just straight up. Like I'm giving you the real here. Every, every, every they're basically losing almost a half a point. Anyway, anyway, so uh, last year they were fifth in the NBA in defense. Uh, they have been. They have been. That has been the calling card of Randy Whitman. That is why he's still the NBA, he is still the coach of the Wizards. That is why he is as much as as much as changing the identity gets all the credit, right, from getting rid of Blotch and Young and McGee and, and bringing in Inang, and, and you, know, you know, even Webster and you know, Ariza and Okafor and, and some, you know, more of a, some veterans that had some game, because there was always veterans that just didn't have any game. And, 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 and change, you know, when they say, like, changing the culture, and all that jazz was sometimes, I'm like, whatever, dude. Like, John Wall and Arenas got along. I witnessed it. Yeah, you know, like, like, you know, it, like, changing the culture sometimes. But I understand, like, not having, like, block, like, counting on these guys who were immature as your main guys. But the real changing was the defense. I mean, they were a bad defensive team under Eddie Jordan. They were, they have been a, historically a bad defensive team. If you look it up, I don't want to go through all the. And all of a sudden, they're an elite defense under him. The la- under his tenure, I mean the, the fact. I mean, even from the time that he became, he took over from Flip at the end of the season. He changed around the defense even before he got some more pieces and got rid of you know Javell's ridiculousness and 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 even Okafor was an anchor at defense and Ney has been an anchor of defense. They got Ariza who was who was on ball defender. They they iced well. They, they 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 flowed the perimeter dudes into the bigs who who played well. They I would call it John Wall was the head of the snake. John Wall's defense improved. I mean, there's no doubt John Wall's defense has improved. He became almost a top elite defender. The stats actually back that up as well. And it's gone to shit, dog. the thing is, is that, so, so to me, like, that is, I mean, the, the, you know, it is getting more attention now, the defense, because it's so bad, right? But I think that we never got attention, like, how good it was, right? And and, and so it's been so good, like, we, because when the defense was good, we just took it for granted, right? And now we're just bitching about this offense that is middling. You're like, why are we shooting so many twos? We're good at threes. Why should we shoot more threes? And, and we just we just we just type away on our keyboards and get all mad and say these things. But in reality, like there was an identity. Like this was a defensive team that Randy Woodman deserves all the credit for. And yeah. what has happened? I, 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 once again, when I say I don't know, when people ask me what's up with the Wizards, to me, yeah, the struggles on offense. I mean, you're gonna change your whole system. We just went into it. That kind of should be expected a little, right? But well, why is it? And, and so and the defense should dip. Like I said with Kyle, I said to dip, but to go from fifth to twenty seventh, that's not injuries, man. Like, what is that? So I I think
1: uh I think there's two things going on there. I think that um I think they did make some changes in order to their defense in order to um kind of juice the transition game. I think that they've been switching a lot more. I think they've been fronting in the post to try to speed up the off the opposing offense, and that's hurt them a little bit. Um, but I also think that, um, like, I think that if you want, when you watch them, some of their guys are like doing these really bizarre, confusing things, um, and you. I, it seemed I, I remember reading maybe it was in the post somebody mentioned that they, that one of the players that kind of maybe even off the record complained that in the preseason they spent all their time working on offense. And, and Joe Molson said that. That's such
0: a bullshit, by the way. But keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, whatever. I, you know, I'm outside enough that
1: I, I read it and I was like, aha. But at any rate, um, like when you watch them on defense, um, the, the, the beginning of the Mavs game was perfect. Like it was such – the second Mavs game, which they won – hilariously like but the first few minutes that were just amazing like it was this perfect distillation of all the bad stuff they do on defense you know like Garrett Temple and Jared Dudley got lost like early in the shot clock on a simple switch on the baseline where they shouldn't have even been switching because the switch would have had like Garrett Temple guarding Dirk on the low block and like um they got lost on that and they, they gave up an open three on like uh, John Wall just doing this lazy switch where he just pointed off on uh, Wesley Matthews and wound up, wind, wind up wide open. And then Jared Dudley, like, God bless him. Like, he's actually a pretty good team defender, but he, like, hedged way out beyond the three-point line on a uh, Ray Felton, Dirk Mavisky, uh pick-and-roll and up behind the ball, and they were playing five on four from there. And it's just... They're just... They're this kind of hyperactive defense. But at any rate, uh, it's like... I don't know. It's like... It, you can almost believe that they spent all their time working on offense and offseason because they're so confused on defense. They're just they're running themselves into trouble constantly. And oddly enough, I love the guy. When John Wall retires, it's gonna be a major wound to my NBA fandom. Like I'm gonna need to recover. Like someday his career's gonna be over and I'm gonna be like crushed by that. But I have to beat him up here a little bit because if he's the most likely dude on the Wizards right now. To sell out the team's defense by just like bailing on a drive or some a lazy switch or playing over aggressive and letting his man completely get open or drifting inside over helping like he's he's just a head case on defense this season and I wonder if it isn't like. Uh, that he's trying he's just really focused on like mi- on like being disruptive and making like making things happen forcing the issue because it was always my sense that under Randy Whitman they like their strength was that they played this very conservative defensive style it was very straightforward like they iced side pick and rolls really well they would have big, big hang back in the lane on pick and rolls no and they, they had, had a strategy to run. funnel
0: the dudes to one spot right i mean exactly exactly
1: and exactly that's exactly right and like they were kind of this Impressively, analytically solid defense. It was, it was almost like they had their eyes on analytics, even though know, you know they didn't, because they're like you know in the Stone Age still on that stuff. But like they 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 defended the three point arc really well. They kept guys out of their restricted arc, and like uh, they were yeah, they just they had this really solid, identifiable, fundamental, simple defense that they played, um, and it worked. It just it worked with their personality. It kind of hid. Marching Gortat's defensive weaknesses and it let, you know, John Wall be a terror at the point of attack. And uh, and they've gotten away from that big time. Uh, I don't know if it's by design. I assume it's by design because it's hard to imagine that it would just be a bunch of, like, freestyling out there. It's hard to imagine Randy wouldn't letting them get away with that <laughs> freestyling. But, man, they, they don't do any of that stuff now. Like, they don't reliably ice side pick and rolls. Uh, Their big jump out in the it, again in that Mavs game in the first quarter, um, I think the, I'll say that the the Mavs ran like a Ray Felton Zaza Pachulia pick and roll, the, <laughs> like like inside the three point arc they ran this, and like here comes Gortat like rushing up and hedging way out almost to the three point line, like who are you afraid of in that scenario? Like the be- like like that's that those are two guys you can just ignore for the most part, like. You know, like, you want Ray Felton shooting the ball. When he's on the court with Dirk and Chandler Parsons, like, Wes Matthews, like, you'll take a Raymond Felton shot from just about anywhere on the court. Like, why are you pressuring the ball? Why are you jumping out on him on a pick-and-roll inside the three-point arc? And that's not something they ever did last year or the year before. They Like, when when it was Okafor, they always had him hang back and just kind of force these, you know, mid-range jumpers, and they did that with Gortat last year really successfully, and Nene is here lying. they are, like, doing these... And, and Nene's brilliant at it. I mean, uh, and here they're doing something completely different. I don't know why. I don't. I mean, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around it, but it's a perfect combination, anyway, of them doing these inexplicable things um, and seeming to be confused about what even they're supposed to be doing on that end. Um, I'm just waiting for one of the players to say like I'm waiting to read the quote of one of their guys being like hey I wish we would go back to playing the silent defense we played last year because they're clearly not doing that like they're clearly doing something else
0: Uh, once again uh, stats don't lie okay (laughs) stats don't lie last (laughs) last year the defense uh, third in the NBA in field goal percentage allowed at 43% this year they're 29th uh, which, by the way, there's 30 NBA teams, so they're second to last. They're actually tied with the Suns for dead last, so uh, 40, 46.9. So teams are shooting uh, almost 4% higher, but this is where it gets really bad. So so so, And this is the glaring thing, right, of where people were like, should we go back to the old stuff and how it was, because now we're shooting more threes, and the defense on the threes is so bad. Okay, it is historically bad. We're talking yeah. since the three-point line came into play, they are on pace to be one of the worst defensive teams of any team in, like, decades.
1: Yeah, yeah is, I read that John Wall said, like, if the season stopped they're aware of this. Like, he said if
0: the season stopped today, they didn't
1: have the worst three-point defense in history. Yes, <laughs> so yes. So the players
0: are aware of it. <laughs> okay, no, here's the stats. Here's the stats. They are giving up uh, 40... Point forty-one percent from three. Opponents are shooting forty-one percent from three points on the season, dude. Even worse, you're for this one. They are giving up, and why they're four and seven at home? Forty-five percent from three pointers at home. Teams are shooting forty-five percent from three against yeah. them. Man, <laughs> I
1: don't have the set in front of me, but teams are taking a lot of threes against the losers too. Yes, Um, and and last year... And and they're like open threes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't got... Actually, that's the thing that I I really, if I was, you know, a responsible, uh, educated blogger, really good at this craft, I would actually go to the NBA.com analytics and look at the contested, you know, like from last year and this year and see, like, how many shots are being contested. I mean, because then you can be like, okay, dudes are hitting more contested threes on than last year. Like, that's the difference, Right. But I feel like, from my eye test, I feel like there's a lot of open threes happening, right? Yes. Like, and so, so last year they were ninth in the NBA in three point percentage allowed at 34.5, and now they're at 41. So that's like six percent more, which is just is, is is unbelievable. Now, what what is happening? Okay, so so I'm glad you bring up the mass game. So I so I was like, okay, what the hell is happening? So in the in the in the and because like, because here's the thing, you give it, especially Raymond. And we'll say, oh, you know, Paul George got hot tonight. He's a good player. Wesley Matthews hit 10 threes. He's in a shooting slump. It's like it's like we're slump busters, dude. Like the team has turned into yes. a slump buster. All of a sudden, Tyreek Evans. Do you think Tyreek Evans can hit five threes? He hit like five. Or, he was like five to six yes, threes. Yeah. See. And so, so then all of a sudden, these guys who were streaky shooters who were cold, all of a sudden just, just. It's all coincidence. You know I mean? Like, at some point, you're like, this isn't coincidence. Like, something is happening. Kyle wrote a really good post. And, you know, what's up, Kyle? Once again, he's going to come on the podcast about what's happening. He went in the five-man, five-man lineups. I'm going to link in the, the show notes. You should go in Truth About It. It's still up. You can read it. It's really good. And, and basically, he comes down to the end. It's just like, yo, dude, you can't really say that, like, there's hot shooters. You can't really say that it's – it's like, there's something, you know, scheme. This is coaching. Like, 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 there is something going on on scheme, and so I looked. So I was so against the Mass, I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch. Like, why the hell are all these dudes open on threes? Right? I, like, I was like, I'm gonna just not even watch the ball. I'm gonna like watch the game, and watch the off ball, and see what the hell is happening. And it was it was a combination of everything. Guys overhelping. Again, you got Garrett Temple, maybe just overcompensating because they don't have they're playing small, and so he was like way in the way in the lane. It, 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 under the hoop instead of maybe shading off more, and so all of a sudden they swing it real quick, and bam, his his dude gets a corner three open. Or or John Wall, which I think you know I, maybe here and there I, I agree somewhat with what you said is that there's a couple times like John Wall's in transition, he's just in the lane for some reason and not the head of the snake on the top yeah. of the three point line, and bam, Ginobili, bam, hits a three against the Spurs on him. The 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 Memphis game, I think Hoop District vined a bunch of them. Where it was like two dudes don't even close out. The closeouts are really bad too. I mean, so then, so I'm like, I'm like, one time John Wall didn't even try to close out, and I think goes into what you were saying. Where I'm like, is he just trying to save some energy for offense, right? Or, 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 but this is like you're not even like putting a hand up. Like you don't. It's not even a screen. Like I can't even say that these are like crazy, crazy screens. And I think uh, uh, Mike from both uh, SB Nation pointed out where. Against Memphis is the scheme part we're talking, where they just sent they sent Jeff Green as a cutter on the weak side, and then all of a sudden the Wizards would just collapse two dudes and it took them one pass to find the open guy on the, on the other side for three. And he's like, "Dude," I was like, "Wow," I didn't notice that. I noticed it. I was like, "Okay, that's very fixable, coaching wise." Yeah. Right? And so, how much is this a scheme? I mean, is it I mean, because it's like we can say that the modern offense is causing, and what Whitman will say, and I think Kyle has said as well, is that, oh, they're playing bad offense against the defense on the heels. If we play better offense, then, you know, it's the chicken and egg theory. But like I said, the offense is basically the same that it was last year. So, what is happening on the defense? Yeah, I think that they're, I think that they're, that, that, that,
1: they're 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 partially right on that. I mean, I do think that um, that the defense is on its heels. Um, but yeah, to what you were saying, like it took the the it took the Mavs one pass to find an open or the the not Grizzlies, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, yeah, one.
0: And then no, and then no one closes out in the corner. Yeah, it's wide open.
1: You just watch like you just watch them. Um, these really simple offensive actions that are just tearing them apart, just completely gutting their defense. Um, you know, at the start of last season, for like a week or two, um, I was, you know, doing this Nets. I was contributing to this Nets blog, and it was fun because like the Nets are garbage, and I hate them so much. So like, it was fun to like just look at a uh, you know. What what, what what what,
0: I'm sorry, what was your name on that on that on that one? What was your name? <sighs> would you go by, Chris? I think it was Chris Townsend. Okay, there you, go, there you go. All right, <laughs> it's keep going. that
1: Bruce Springsteen. All right. Anyway, uh, Luke Skywalker. So, okay, keep going. <laughs> so, but it was fun to watch their defense because they were such a mess. Like, you know, like, the uh, the first game I did of the Nets last season was against the Celtics. And, like, it was, you know, the Celtics would run one screen away from the ball. And the Nets' defense would just come completely apart. And that's the Wizards this year. You know, like, the uh, the you know, a team will come down the down the floor instead of a half court offense, and they'll run one baseline screen, and somebody will pop out at the top of the key, just completely open, with no, not even a defender closing out. Like no, no one even has a sense of who's supposed to be guarding that guy. Um, so I have to feel like it's uh, that it. Well, I mean, broadly, it's coaching because how can I mean, how can this not come back to the coaching in one way or another? But also. So, uh, it, it seems like it has to have been some kind of scheme change or philosophy change, uh, where they but so, there's you know sort of they've made they made their uh, their response to screen action more complex than it used to be, and it's confusing, guys. It's got to be part of it because there's no way that you know one baseline screen should just gut a defense the way that it does against the Wizards, uh, and similarly, um, you know they're doing so much when they play small. They're doing a lot of fronting in the post, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing. But, um, you know, like, there were a few times against the Mavs, and I keep going back to the Mavs game just because it was so, like, it was just such a perfect, um, you know, it was, it was a fun watch. It won, first of all, but it was also just a, this perfect encapsulation of all the stuff they do wrong on defense. But, you know, there were a few times where they would have Jared Dudley, you know, aggressively fronting Dirk. On the low block, and the, you know, if I were, I, I just feel like if I were Randy Whitman, I would look at that and think like, what? What are we? What can we achieve via that aggressive defense there? Like, is is Jared Dudley really going to prevent a clean catch for a guy who's like, you know, six inches taller than him and longer? You know, like Jared Dudley can't leap. He's not like a big time athlete. He doesn't have long arms. Like, like he, you know, he's not the Inspector Gadget. Like, what is he going to do? Really, in this situation, to prevent a clean catch on the on the block, and so of course they throw the ball down to Dirk. He gets clean kept and then the whole defense is collapsing from the weak side, and that's just a recipe for disaster. All the Mavs have to do from there is roll one guy to the opposite corner, and they've got an open three. And that happened back in the first quarter of the Mavs game. That happened four or five times. And
0: it happened in the fourth you know, quarter a lot too. Know. By the way, the thing, is, the, thing yeah. is, the thing is, Chris, is that is that. <laughs> it's also just another thing I can't understand is that they're, so they're playing small, right? They have more yeah. small guys out there and they can't defend the three. And so they, so they have, so they, so they have Gortat and they basically have never been on the court one minute this year together at all. Yeah. And last year, obviously they were on pretty much the whole time. Right. And, and I don't know the percentages, but majority of the lineups, it is somehow they're bad at threes. The def- defense, like historically bad, like I, I feel like you should be, I'm not saying you should be better at threes, but, like, if you have smaller dudes, they should, like, in theory, be covering more ground on defense around the perimeter, right? And, like, you know,
1: like, like in the the modern NBA, like, three-point defense isn't really, like, it's not sort of like an individual defense problem, right? Because teams are trying to... Can't you go out of shape and then picking the ball around to an open shooter. Drive and, and kick, right? Either drive and kick or right. or ship it around, right? Exactly. So this is so this isn't like, you know, um, this isn't solely about having, you know, some slow poke like Nene on the floor, who can't who's a strong positional defender around the basket but isn't like suited to chase guys around the perimeter. Um you know, like, it, it, presumably, if you're doing your job as a team defense and kind of staying in shape and not overhelping, not switching at the wrong time, you know, not playing a pick-and-roll poorly, presumably you should be in position to at least contest a three. So, you know, you, you think even a defense that doesn't have spectacular defensive athletes should at least be able to, you know, maintain their shape. If the Wizards have good athletes, they have, historic, have guys who are historically good defenders. Um, they're, just, they're just doing the wrong things out there. They're just... And then whatever, you know, whatever Randy Whitman is saying to them when they're not, you know, out there giving up, giving up wide open threes is not, like, doing the job. Like, he, he, whatever he's saying to them is not communicating to them, like, okay, you should not be, Garrett Temple should not be standing in the restricted arc, you know, because another player, you know, because there's a pick-and-roll on the weak side. Like, he should not, on the, on the opposite side. Like, he, that, that's not a thing that should ever happen. Um, and so... Yeah, I don't know if he's just not seeing what we're seeing, or if, or if, or if it's part of this grand scheme that they're just kind of waiting for it to click into place. But to the to the lay observer, it just looks like they are doing so many just dumb, kind of bad, um, self sabotaging things on the floor.
0: No, and, and in Kyle's uh, piece about the three pointy, his Temple was one of the main culprits, honestly, and and, yeah. and, and he was indicted because because. I mean, if I can't say Garrett Temple is a good defender, then why is he in the NBA? Correct? Because we know he's not right. a good, good offensive player, and he is a good on-ball defender for sure. Yes. He's good in the, he's good in the passing lanes. He can he can check a point guard. He can check a wing for sure. But his off-ball defense, he's just I think maybe he's too smart, maybe and overthinking. Because sometimes he's just always maybe, in the yeah. bad spot, and I'm like, why are you in the bad spot? But on the ball, you're a good defender, but. Off the ball, you're switching who you shouldn't, you're over helping, you're overcompensating, your dude ends up getting yeah. open all the time. And I think Nene's loss is, has been instrumental as well because I said that the wall was ahead of the snake, the was always the, 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 the tail of the snake. And and his his positioning and him his help defense, because that was basically the plan, like I mentioned earlier, about how funneling into Nene and making you take that. You're not getting to the rim. I mean, you're gonna take that ten foot off balance shot. Yeah. If you're gonna to go to the rim, you're gonna get challenged. And and I don't think it's so much that the the I mean I don't think they're obviously their issues are three point. We've just—I've just told you—it's not so much like, oh my gosh, like they're just giving up layups, but there is cases where they do just give up layups, and, yes. and I'm like, what the hell happening? And Gortat runs over, and he's just so weak around the rim when it comes to protection, yeah. And, and it drives you just absolutely crazy because you know he's this big bro and has all these guns and these cars, and he's this man has this goatee and he's a—he's this tough dude and. You know, loves his country, and I do like marching. I don't want to rip on him, but then he comes and he just Jeff Green just yams on him because he doesn't even like stand. He just stand there, and then you look, you are like, you were a pussy on that play. You know what I mean? Like, like there is no way to say it. Like, like come on, dude, you are a seven foot Polish dude with a goatee and bald head, like, and you are just allowing like Jeff Green to just, just, just basically just have his way with you. Like, not even a hard foul, not even. I mean, Dwight Howard would 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 contest a lot better, and we and I I don't like Dwight Howard, but like or even Jaja would, would if we go back to who you said earlier. Oh, yeah. You know, I was just like, well, dude, just get in the way, but he just like hesitates sometimes, like he doesn't want the contact. Yes. You know, aside from his offense, where he loves to shoot the fadeaways and. I'm like, can you just do one power post move? I mean, you're seven foot and a big guy. It just drives me insane. Just one. I'm not saying you have to be good at it. Just one up and under power post move. Instead, you just do these 10 foot fadeaway shots, which you're actually somewhat good at, but that's like your only move. everyone, that wraps up part one of my two-hour conversation with Chris. So go over and check out part two. We get into who's to blame for these problems of the Wizards. Are these issues fixable? We talk about John Wall, Bradley Beal, the Kevin Durant elephant in the room, and just kind of forecast the rest of the season. Thank you once again for so much of your support. Tell your friends, tell your family members, anybody that's interested in the NBA, especially the Wizards. I can't do this without the listeners and... I'm not going to stop. It's been a tough season, and we're going to continually try to rock these podcasts out uh, twice, twice a week. Uh, go to TruthAboutIt.net for your Wizards coverage. The writers there are phenomenal. It's impressive stuff: high, intellectual, entertaining gifs, vines, funny videos, and everything. So, uh, stay tuned for uh, part two. Go over to the Pixel Roll, subscribe, everything, and uh, thank you so much for your support. Bye, bye.